The Gospel is taken from Luke chapter 8, verse 22 to verse 25. This can be found on page 865 in the Bibles in the chairs. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. One day, Jesus got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Here ends the Gospel reading. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts from your word, and change us by your spirit, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please have a seat. Grab a Bible. And uh, turn to page 865, and therefore to Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25, as we look at the power of Jesus. Well, let me begin by asking you a question. What part of the natural world do you most fear? Apparently for many, it's the sea. And to us frail human beings, it can appear that the natural world, just like the sea, is one of chaos and disorder. And that we're the victims of the blind forces of chance and mother nature. But in the Bible, we discover that the natural world is the creation of a loving God who made a beautiful and perfect world. And while this world isn't what it was because of the rebellion of human beings against God, God is still in control. And in a world where often chaos seems to reign, and where we go through some terrible storms in our own lives, no truth could comfort us more than the fact that God, who made the world, is with us in the storm. And is in control. Did you know that the most common command in the Bible is do not fear, for God is with his people? Who needs to hear that today? And so to Luke chapter 8, Jesus calming a massive storm. In his gospel, Luke wants to show us that Jesus is God in the flesh come to rescue his people from their rebellion against God. That he's the one who's in control and in whom we must trust if we're to stand firm in the storms we face. You see, faith isn't simply about saying we believe in Jesus. It's trusting in him, in his death on the cross and in his resurrection from the dead. And doing what he says, because we're grateful for all that he's done for us. It's impossible to earn a relationship with God. 
It's only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift which we receive with thanks. Look back at verse 21. Jesus says, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. In other words, Jesus' spiritual family consists of those who believe God's word about Jesus, trust in him, and live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's precisely his challenge to us again in this passage. We need to be people who have faith, trust in Jesus, knowing who he is, God the Savior, the one who made the sea then whatever storm we face, a storm of nature or a storm in our personal lives, we can have complete confidence that Jesus will not let us go. So let's look at who Jesus is by asking three questions from these verses. And the first question is asked by the disciples to Jesus. Why don't you do something? Look at verse 24. Master, Master, we're perishing. In other words, we're going to drown. In Mark's gospel, they add, don't you care if we drown? Lord, why don't you do something? That was their question. So why were they asking that question? Well, we know from Mark's gospel that Jesus has been healing and teaching huge crowds. And they've been chasing him all day long. So he says, verse 22, that he wants to get to the other side of the lake, perhaps to have a break. And as soon as he steps into the boat and lies down, he falls asleep, absolutely exhausted. Notice just how human Jesus is. He too gets tired and needs to rest. He knows what we feel like after a long day or a lot of stress. He's fully God and fully man. So Jesus is asleep as suddenly a storm breaks on the Sea of Galilee. Now you might think that the Sea of Galilee is a small boating lake like you find at seaside resorts. But it's not. It's eight miles across and 15 miles long. And on either side, there are steep gorges, meaning that it's 600 feet below sea level. The wind blows down the gorge, and the sea is churned up, causing severe storms. And that's what happens. Verse 23, a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in great danger. Now, many of these disciples were experienced fishermen. They weren't tourists trapped on a pedalo and out of their depth. They really were in great danger, rather like this little clip we're about to show you on the screen. What happens is if we work together. I'm not giving up on them. The compass is gone! We lost the pumps. Do you get the picture? Now, I've never experienced a storm at sea quite like that. The nearest I've got is to to choppy seas on a ferry across to Ireland. 
But here the disciples experience seafarers though they are. They fear for their lives. And so they cry out in desperation to the sleeping Jesus. We're dying. It seems they're in within seconds of death. The next big wave would be the end. Yet it looks as if Jesus doesn't care. The disciples are utterly terrified while he just sleeps in the back of the boat. Lord, why don't you do something? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And surely that's one of the first questions we ask when we ourselves go through stormy seas in our lives. And it may well be that we're feeling exactly like these disciples at the moment. Completely overwhelmed by the storms of life. It may be work or no work. It may be family. It may be illness. It may be a spiritual battle, a particular temptation that you just can't shake off. Whatever it is, you are feeling as if one more wave will sink your boat. And you're crying out, Lord, do something. Why is it that it feels like you're doing nothing? And that's a normal reaction to being in a storm. Christians aren't immune from the storms of life. Christians get ill, they lose friends and family, they get cancer, and they struggle with work or no work, money and relationships. But the difference for the Christian is there's someone in our boat who won't let us go and who'll guide us through the storms. Someone who cares deeply and who has the power to act. And even those who are not Christians have to admit that's something they desperately want and need. One famous writer said this, Now here's my secret. My secret is that I need God. That I'm sick and can no longer make it alone in this world. I need God to help me to give. Because I no longer seem capable of giving. To help me to be kind as I no longer seem capable of kindness, to help me to love as I seem beyond being able to love. And the brilliant news of Luke chapter 8 is that we're not alone and we can receive help. There's someone with us. It's just that we need to see properly who that really is. And that's what the disciples failed to realize. They simply cried out for help, but they hadn't tweaked just how powerful, just how loving, just how trustworthy that man sleeping in the back of the boat really was. So to the second question, who is this man? Because if they realized exactly who he was, they wouldn't have panicked so desperately. Now, if you're a fisherman and you're in a storm, then the last thing you probably do is ask a carpenter for help. But that's what these disciples did. And Jesus got up and told the wind and the raging waters to stop. And the storm subsided. All was calm. Where is your faith? Jesus asked. 
In fear and amazement, they ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now, to my mind, there's nothing more spectacular or frightening than watching a storm at sea from a safe distance. Recently, I went to St. Mary's Island at Whitley Bay, and the waves were crashing against and coming over the pier. It was unsettling, if spectacular. But what's even more staggering? Well, for a man to stand on that pier and to say to those waves, be still. And then instantly for there to be calm. Now that would be power. And that's exactly what happened that day on that boat. No wonder the disciples were scared. Jesus simply gets up, tells the wind off, so to speak, and the waves, and there's complete calm. It's as if he's telling his puppy off. Utterly staggering. And it's not as if the wind and the waves die down over the next few hours. In fact, the swell on the Sea of Galilee after a big storm can last for days. But with Jesus, it's different. The original simply says, it stopped. It was a definite, miraculous act. And this is no trick that a mere man can play. To stop a storm in mid-flow requires extraordinary power. Of all the miracles Jesus did, surely this is the most, most breathtaking. I mean, I can't even make my bathwater be still. But when Jesus commands nature to stop, it stops. So who is he? Well, the Bible gives us the answer. Only one person can wield such power over the forces of nature, over creation itself. And that's God. Psalm 89 verse 9. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you calm them. Only God has such power. And that's what Luke wants us all to grasp. Jesus is God in the flesh. God has taken on human form and has become a man. Jesus is the Lord of creation. And as the Lord of heaven and earth, there was no way that this storm was going to take Jesus with it. Jesus wasn't going to die in some freak boating accident. That's what the disciples failed to grasp. And it wasn't as if the disciples didn't have enough evidence. It was there staring them in the face. Just, as it, just in the last few chapters, Jesus has healed a man without even setting eyes on him. He's broken up a funeral by raising the dead boy from his coffin. And he's forgiven a woman of her sins. If only the disciples had put two and two together, they'd have not been afraid in that boat. They would have known that the Lord, their God, was asleep in the stern. And that's often the root of our fear and worry, is it not? Just who it is that is with us in our boat. Of course, sometimes people simply don't want to believe that Jesus is the one who can help 
that he is the true and living God in the flesh. People would do anything to avoid the conclusion that the gospel writers want us to accept. Thomas Jefferson, the second president of the United States of America, was a bit like that. In the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C., there's a leather-bound book which belonged to him. And in this book, he pasted all the passages from the Gospels which had no miracles in them. And that was the Bible that Jefferson read. In his own mind, he'd shut off the possibility that Jesus was a supernatural savior, that he was God himself. He'd made the mistake of the disciples and thought that Jesus was just a good teacher or a nice moral man. Well, if you do that, then you've missed who Jesus is completely. And when the storms come, you'll find yourself facing them alone. Because only God himself could get a force nine storm to obey him. No, this Jesus is the Lord of creation, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the one who controls the winds and the waves. It's this Jesus we worship and serve. This is the Jesus we call Lord and Savior. It's this Jesus we sing to and praise week by week. This is the Jesus who promises to be with us to the end in all the storms we face. Who is this man? That's the question. Surely he can't be just a good teacher. So will we believe and trust in him? The king of creation. Jesus our God. The only rescuer. Which brings us to our third question. Where is your faith? Asked Jesus. It's one thing to believe about Jesus. It's quite another to trust him. As the disciples stand in the boat dripping with seawater, seaweed no doubt in their hair, mouths open, utterly staggered, Jesus says to them, verse 25, where is your faith? Because it's only when we see and understand who Jesus is that we'll truly put our faith in him. And that was the the disciples' problem. Their faith was misplaced. They'd failed to see that Jesus was the one they should trust. All the miracles they'd seen, all the words he'd said pointed to Jesus being the Lord and God. But they still hadn't got it. And so their faith was elsewhere. Perhaps they trusted their own boating skills. But wherever their faith was placed, it wasn't where it should have been. In the one, in the only one, who could have helped them that day in Jesus, their Savior. And our problem is that we're so slow to realize that the only place where our faith should be placed is in Christ. All too often our faith is in ourselves. Ellen MacArthur, the yachtswoman, was the youngest woman to sail around the world solo. During her trip, she was on her own for months, She sailed past some of the most beautiful sights in the natural world. And yet for all that natural beauty, for all her survival through the terrible storms, did she look to Jesus as her Lord and Savior? No. In fact, when she got to the Antarctic, she threw a packet of biscuits into the sea 
to Poseidon, the Greek god of the sea, as a peace offering to get her home safely. Now, of course, that's superstition, but it shows her trust was far more in her own abilities than in the one true God who made the sea. We human beings are so prone to trusting ourselves, and that's often what happens when the storms hit. We feel we can't trust anyone else, so we're all we have left. It may be perfectly understandable if we've been let down or hurt, but it's at that point we need to remember who's the only one who will get us through the storms. And that may be a clue as to why God allows us to go through the storms. Why God doesn't allow us an easy time. We perhaps think, can't we just stay in the harbor? The Bible doesn't give a complete answer to this, but the one answer is so our faith may be strengthened. So when tough times come, when the illness strikes, when the family is under pressure, then we're forced back on the one who made us and loved us. Christ won't necessarily stop the storm for us. He may not take the problem away, but there's no doubt he'll never leave our side. He won't jump out of the boat and leave us to it. He won't stop loving us. If we trust him, he'll bring us through, however stormy the seas get. As we heard from Romans chapter 8, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. You say, how do we know? My storms get pretty stormy, you know. Well, all you need to do is look at the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus showed his love for us when he rescued us from the most terrible storm we could ever face. The judgment of God upon our sin. He did it so that we don't have to ever face that storm. And if he's done what is necessary to get us through that storm, then there's no doubt that he'll bring us safely through all the storms we'll ever face in this life. Be assured, if you trust in him as your Lord and your Savior, he'll bring you safely to heaven. Don't be in any doubt about that. Yes, we might cry out to God, why don't you do something? But the fact is, he has. He's done enough to bring us through the greatest storm. And he's proved that he's able to bring us through any storm in this life. For in the hands of his son, Jesus Christ, the best helmsman we could ever want. Will you trust him? Will you place your life in his hands? He promises he'll never let you go. Let's pray together. Let's just uh, spend a moment reflecting on what we've been learning from Luke chapter 8 and the power of Jesus and who he is and let's respond ourselves 
in quiet prayer.